Pack bouncing. I can't. I, I used to be really good at it. Now it's like I used to be able to do it to the beat. You know, Albert was the first one of like me. It was me, my brother, and Albert, and he was the first one to learn how to do it. And I was like, "You suck." But I, he had, he actually had something on his body, and I had nothing, so. It's really hard to flex nothing. It is hard to flex nothing. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the Sip It and Rip It OnlyFans, where we teach you how to peck bounce and you give us money for it. <laughs> I mean, slide this up. Oh yeah, there we go. I'm not gonna show mine. I think y'all can probably use your imagination. Uh, Although Nathan pulled up that 242 and maybe catching up. <laughs> that's, that's that YouTube only content right <laughs> there. You only. guys on Spotify need to go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to find, or, find out. Or maybe we need to upload video to Spotify. And... Also, if you want, if you want to submit a uh, song. Uh, to request me peck bounce my OnlyFans to um, <laughs> go ahead. That content's not cheap though. I know what I'm worth. <laughs> Send a DM to the Sip It and Rip It Instagram page, and we'll get back with you. We'll we'll do peck bouncing videos to your favorite Taylor Swift song. I, you, <laughs> you know, you know, Desi would never let me like do an OnlyFans, but I think if it was just that, she might be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I feel like, I mean, the whole point of that, so at that point you're kind of just making a mockery of the whole. Yeah. And if you happen to make money, making a mockery of it. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, you're not spreading your butt cheeks part. Here's the thing. If me and you, Said we're starting an OnlyFans together. A joint OnlyFans. <laughs> and then posted it on the page. How many people you think would actually pay money? Austin Blair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, get, I think Austin Blair would be genuinely like, I'm gonna I'm gonna support my friends more than anything. But also I was just thinking like out of sheer curiosity, how many people would just be like I want to see what's behind this paywall and just, I'm just gonna, I'll money. be honest with you. I think that there's probably a, a, a very large demographic of bear hunters that would be very, very interested in seeing that. That's true, <laughs> but, but there would actually be none of that. We do. Uh, well, exactly. But we do feel that specific demographic in the gay community. I had an interesting uh, experience at work on uh, Friday. Did somebody come on to you because you're, of your bedroom? I'm not sure. <laughs> You're not sure? So I, I was uh, going up, I was helping uh, this dude out, and there's two guys working damages. And I go in there, and um, they basically needed help figuring out how they needed to damage things out. Because I'm in quality, I have to kind of like, you know, they were just asking me questions to get get an answer about what they need to do. So bring them back the answer, because I had to go to my boss, essentially, uh, to find out. And uh, the guy I'm talking to is like, okay, great, you know, whatever. And I'm walking around the way to leave. And this dude comes up to me and he says, hey, I got a question for you. I was like, no, okay, sure, what? He's like, how do you feel about strip clubs? And I was like, I'm personally, you know, I think they're a little weird. I'm not really into them, but you know, whatever. And he was like, okay, well, I was going to ask you about OnlyFans, but if you don't like strip clubs, and then walks away. That's it, huh? That's it. But I, I don't know if he was like, Talking about me stripping and doing an nah, OnlyFans? It sounds like he was trying to solicit, so solicit. you watching his old ladies on OnlyFans or something. I, I feel like it was more solicitation than it was I don't, invitation. I don't know, man. I, I really, because I was asking my coworkers, I was like, what did what did this mean? And they were like, you know, I don't know. I want to say that male strippers are illegal in the state of Alabama. Really? They couldn't have been talking about that. I'm, I'm relatively certain. Huh. Are you sure? I don't know. 
I've never needed a male stripper. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> there. Now, now I'm I'm googling this because I'm gonna find out if male strippers are illegal or not. If not, we might have a new side. If they are, aren't, we might have a new side. Uh, male strippers in Alabama. Book your performer online. Oh, my bad, I was wrong. They are legal uh, in Alabama. Birmingham male strippers. All right. <laughs> Hire a hot Alabama male slash female strippers exotic dancers. Now that is on my Google search for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, your your uh, your federal agent's really confused right now. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Some things you just got to know. I mean, sometimes you just got to know. I was just really curious because I, I swear I had heard somebody talking about stripping in Alabama, but because I, a friend of mine told me that they had a like a gay cousin or something that was stripping and making like, I don't know, like a couple grand a weekend. I'm like, damn. I'm sure that's, you know, that's a lot of money for sure. Um, a week, I'm pretty sure I don't look good enough, first of all, to do that. And uh, second of all, um, <laughs> the clientele I'd be dancing for, I'm pretty sure I would not be comfortable with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% positive you know, that I would not be comfortable with that. Depends on, you know, how worth it is. Now, we do money, know some you know? People, a pair of brothers that decided to start a uh, risque car washing business. Really? Oh, um, I, I didn't realize that. And... Uh, I am pretty sure they shut that down because the demographic that they were after was not the demographic that was buying. I'm pretty sure they thought they were going to get, like, hot single moms. No. And I'm pretty sure they got, uh, you know, single middle-aged men instead, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, uh, which is really, really... If you know those two people, it's really, really funny it to think really that they. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, the type of men that they are, I guarantee you, they never thought that they were going to have a huge gay demographic buying their services from them. You know, that I'm... business did not last very long. I can tell you that much. Either they were really bad at it, Probably. or they were really good at it, and they really didn't like their demographic. It could be both. They could have been bad be at it, and they didn't like their demographic. It could have been both. I honestly think one's got just a big enough ego that the demographic wouldn't have bothered him. That's possible. I could see that. But, you know. I mean, sometimes you just set, set things up and you just you can just play yourself sometimes. I'm pretty sure they play themselves. <laughs> yeah, that, that situation definitely just... I don't, you know, I don't know how you couldn't think that that's a, even a possibility, right? I guarantee you they just had Poon on the brain and thought that this is <laughs> only going to be, you know, 29 to 45-year-old single moms wanting their car washed by shirtless dudes. I, I'm here to tell you right now, they're <laughs> just, not interested. Yeah, sure. It, it just sounds. It just sets itself up to be a gay fantasy, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It, really, it does. really does. It's like you're just completely like you thought this business through and you never came up with the potential that your main demographic could have been other men. <laughs> like, that would have been my first worry, but right? <laughs> like, like that's not where you went with it. I, I, I mean, if you were talking to that demographic, more power to you, man. Mm -hmm. You'll make your money. But like, I know for a fact those two weren't thinking that. I know they thought that they were going to get like, you know. They were going to get paid for washing somebody's car and then, you know, mm -hmm. a little something extra on the side. Yeah, and, here's your uh, tip. Yeah, yeah, right. They got some tips, all right. <laughs> Not the tips all, they want. All the tips and none of the tits is what happened. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Think things through before you start small businesses. I, I was just going to say, I, that just kind of goes to show uh, 
it's a, it's a lousy businessman. You know? Yeah. Let's do this. A hundred percent. But I think that covers our small talk for today. I think we just about. I think we got uh, through that pretty well. We are drinking some very poorly made uh, <laughs> attempts at some tequila cherry limeades of mine, or strawberry limeades. I was about to say they were um, cherry. They're strawberry, but it really does. It just tastes like sweet tequila. Yeah. Which we're drinking them. No, I mean they're fine. They. Yeah, I mean, have it's no like problems a, with them. A good like homemade, off the cuff. We're just gonna have a mixed drink recipe. Yeah. I don't know that I would order one if I was out. Maybe if somebody Maybe knew it was better than me. Yeah, cocktails are never cheap, though. Yeah. If you, if you told me that that was going to cost me like three bucks, four bucks, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. If you're I can drink a lot of shit for under $5. If you're going to tell me that's, uh, that's 10 bucks, I'm like, no. Nah. I can put up with some bullshit for under, 10, for under five. Yeah. Been there, done them, that. Them Applebee's cocktails. I don't know about that, but I mean, I used to drink $1.25 draft PBRs all the time at the pool hall in college. Yeah. And then... Uh, you know, Philadelphia had the citywide where you could get a Pat's Blue Ribbon and a shot of well whiskey for $5 in any bar. Actually, it was $3 when I was up there. I'm sure it's, hell, if it's $10 now, where else are you going to buy two drinks for $10? That's true. Still At pretty home, fucking cheap. I guess. Yeah, that's still pretty fucking cheap. Maybe we need to make a pilgrimage to Philadelphia. My own stomp, stomping grounds. <laughs> drop in that gym I used to train at. It might be fun to go back in there now that I'm strong-ish. But would anybody that was there when you were oh, there? Oh, no. There, I'll, like, I'll look completely different, too. Never yeah, mind. it'd be like nobody would even know. No, but it'd, just be, it'd be fun to just be there. Yeah? Yeah. Just to say you showed up. Just to say I showed up. Yep. It is what it is. You got PR songs? Sure, yeah. Um... I really hope I didn't say this one already, but uh, The Reckoning by Born Through Fire. I don't think we talked about that one. I know I put their other one on there, which was... Uh, I can't remember. I'm going to go ahead and add this now. <laughs> what I'm so yeah. bad about. The Reckoning, Born Through Fire. Yeah, so it's... Uh, What's his name? The lead vocalist for As I Lay Dying. It's his like other project. He's got like a million, you know, because he's Austrian, Austrian death, death machine, machine. and yeah. uh, uh, that one that they released one EP. Um, it was really good. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, actually, Clay was telling me about it, and he said he said to check it out because it was really good. So this is like his like fourth musical projects that he's worked on they only got two songs out so but yeah i dig it it's it's kind of it's very much the same like as i lay dying newer stuff it's but fair. but it's fun i like it it's it's a good like get pumped up about something song yeah that's cool uh my first one's uh first rap entry in a while but we're gonna go uh shout out to my wife because she turned me on this song <laughs> Um, I'm gonna go with G's and Hustlers by Snoop Dogg. <laughs> That's my first one. It's just fun. That's the only thing I got. You know, you know, he was at WrestleMania. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you know, I don't watch it. So yeah. So so really funny, actually. Really, like it just goes to show that Snoop Dogg is an amazing entertainer. So he's showing up. He's with one of the traditional wrestlers that's out there, and they're doing like a bit, and. Uh, Shane McMahon, you know Shane yeah. McMahon. So he comes running to the ring, like coming to beat up Miz for what I don't even remember what the reason was. And uh, does something, lands weird, like hurts his ankle, just like rolls out of the ring, just like he's hurt, he's gone, he's not, he's not finishing this. But the whole goal of 
that whole bit was that the Miz, who was the wrestler guy, he's supposed to get like beat up. Yeah. And Snoop Dogg's like, well, guess what? I'm going to get in this ring and I'm going to beat this wrestler. <laughs> so he gets up there. I can't remember if he like, he like punches him right in the jaw or something, just like straight up cold cocks him. <laughs> and he falls down. And you know the Rock's signature move, the people's elbow. Yeah. So he did the slowest people's elbow I've ever seen. He like does this little thing and like leans on the rope and does this little thing and leans on the rope. And then he just drops his elbow. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I feel really bad for Shane McMahon because he just like showed up, got hurt instantly and rolled away. But but that just goes to know Snoop Dogg off the cuff, just like, man, I got this. Let's go. Like, I was like, man, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. I'm under the impression that, you know, his kids are really smart kids and they're, they're athletes and stuff. I'm under the impression that he's a much, much smarter man than um, people give him credit for. Yeah, than pop culture at large. Because, I mean, what's Snoop known for? Weed. Weed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, from my childhood, it's earlier, it's earlier than you would have. You were born when, 94? 93. 93. So this was right at, you know, I remember when he was indicted on the murder charges and stuff mm. when I was a kid and everything. But, you know, outside of that, pot and being a gangster, yep. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think most people think of now, you know, Martha Stewart, big, big lottery <laughs> yeah. commercials, like shit like that. Um, Sandy's got his cookbook. Yeah, it's I bet that's book. pretty dope. Honestly. It's got some pretty funny shit in it. <laughs> it's definitely stoner food for the most part. Yeah. But I, do, I am under the impression he's a much smarter man than... Uh, I think most of those rappers are much smarter yeah. men than they probably let on. For sure. Entertainers first, for sure. But, I mean, you don't get that big and maintain your money and maintain success without being smart. Right. You can fuck off money real fucking fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. And especially, especially if you're not smart. Like, yeah. you just, like, start throwing your money away. Yeah. Like, I'm going to buy every single Look at all these Lambo. athletes that make more money than, than most of these musicians that most of these rappers have ever seen before. Yep. And they, like, Blow half of them all. are fucking broke by the time their career's over. Yep. So, like, uh, like I said, I'm under the impression he's a much smarter man than mm -hmm. what we see in pop culture would lead us to believe. Oh, 100%. For sure. Yeah. So, Snoop, what's your second uh, entry into this? I didn't have a second entry. I didn't know we were doing two. You got a second one? Yeah, I got a second one. Go for your second um, one. And I'll, uh... So, uh, a man I like this girlfriend in, it's actually her and her husband, um, Courtney LaPlante from I Wrestled a Bear once. Do you remember that band from back in the day? Oh, they sound so funny. She has a new band called Spirit Box with her husband. I've heard of Spirit Box. Um, and uh, it's a slower song, um, but there's a song called Co Constance that I like a whole lot. Um, it's actually not on any workout playlist right now, but maybe <laughs> maybe needs to be. But Constance by Spirit Box, really fucking good. She's a good singer. Uh, he's a great musician, great guitar player. Um, there's like some new metal vibes about it a little bit. Um, but I, I think you know that a lot of like metalcore stuff is almost trending new metal a little yeah. bit right now. It's kind of popular at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but really fucking good. Not a super, not the heaviest song that they have by no means, but it's a really fucking good song. So yeah. that's it. Well, I'll I'll go with a pretty old one actually. Uh, just because I was scrolling through, and I was like, actually, this song's really badass, and I don't think it's on the playlist. But Roots, Bloody Roots by Sepultura. There you go. That's a uh, Something about that, I don't know, man. That song just like it gets cool violent. One. Like that is a very violent song. Um, right. Definitely, especially for that time too. Like it was just so angry and like I don't know, man. I mean, they were ahead of their time. That's the reason why so many people slept um, on them. Well, like not just that, but that's the reason why so many metalheads now talk about them being a huge influence for them. It's like uh, it's like Sepultura uh, is like our generation's Black Sabbath. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 
most people either talk about Sepultura or Death. Yeah, Death is really good too. They mentioned a lot um, in terms of influences, and then another band like that is Suffocation. Yeah, those three bands get mentioned from uh, old heads and metal more Mm -hmm. than. More than almost anybody does now. Yeah, my brother's a huge Death fan. Like, That's good. Um, you know, I was on. Um, I was working at Relapse when Relapse picked up the distribution rights to Death and reprinted and re-released all the Death records. Mm. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, so I know their catalog pretty pretty fucking well. Yeah. Yeah. Just about been you know pounded into my memory. <laughs> yeah. Many times that shit was fun when when I was working at Relapse. So uh, that's cool though. Yeah. Um, I think I'm. I think I like Suffocation the best out of the three. Oh really? Yeah, I think that they're. I think that they're a little bit better musicians than the other two bands. To be honest with you, and some people would be probably fair. be upset about that. But I mean, Suffocation was the best out of those three. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's nice. Apples to oranges, though, because Suffocation still came around just a little bit later than the other two did. Yeah. And then uh, trying to think about other bands Uh, around that area. Mortuary. Mortuary. I don't think I've heard of them. Nah, Morbid Angel, another one. I know Morbid Angel. Yeah. Yeah. Bands like that. But anyway. Old man death metal. Old man death metal. Yeah, some of that shit's good, though. I'll tell you what. I mean, there's people around here that would probably, their skin would crawl for me mentioning this name. Because this is a a name, growing up in the Church of God, (laughs) I heard, apparently they really triggered the fuck out of people in the 90s. But I heard heard Deicide get brought up when I was going to church and was super religious more than almost any other band. I guess because of the name, right? Well, I mean, but they were were over the top about it. Oh, were Were they? they Did they not start a fight with Living Sacrifice at a music festival one time, too? Oh, I don't know Something like that. that. Yeah, they have have like a pretty long-standing history of being pretty anti-Christian. That's a band that I love now. Deicide fucking rules. But um, Glenn... uh, Man, even preachers and shit knew him by name. Glenn, uh, <laughs> trying to think about Glenn's last name. Google. Deicide, yeah. I know I'm going to be pissed when I see his last name. Because you're going to be like, oh, I knew that. Because that's how it always is. You just kind of like, it's in your brain, but it's not, you can't Glenn call Benton, it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Glenn Benton. But anyway, yeah, I mean, that's that band fucking rules, though. I can't lie to you. Pretty fucking heavy. If you're, like, if you're a Cannibal Corpse fan, you can get behind Deicide pretty easy. That's fair. Cannibal Corpse is going to talk more about horror movies and chopping, chopping people, people up, and yeah. Deicide obviously a little bit more about satanic things, but, <laughs> but very, very stylistically similar. Right. Do they do they do like stuff on their like shows? Like, no, it's pretty much just a death metal show. Okay. Like you imagine, no, they're not like Guar or, or like even Behemoth. You know, comes out in full. Yeah, you know, like, black metal garb and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's, it's not quite like that, but just a death metal show. I don't know. The theatrics are kind of cool sometimes. Like when I went to see, I, I think it was, I think it might have been Knotfest that was in Birmingham. It was actually at the BJCC. It was them, some band I didn't know, and I think it was in this moment, was some there? female fronted band, and they were god awful sounding, and they like like punctured my ears with how like her vocals just pierced through everything else and it was obnoxious yeah that's not a good band i can't lie to you but theatrically it was fucking cool like they they had a bunch of stuff going on and like visually watching it like if the music had actually been good it would have been freaking cool but like 
music was terrible. So, but but theatrically it was cool, and that's why I'm like I kind of like when bands will actually put in a little more. I like uh, that new newer wave of black metal that doesn't dress up like you know. They're like part yes. of the circus, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, the corpse paint and stuff's a little much for me. Um, I think it's fun like, sometimes. Well, there's a bunch of Viking shit has made its way into black metal sound. Like Wolfheart, really, yeah. is, stylistically, that's a black metal band. Yeah, not black metal content, but it's a, right. stylistically, it's a black metal band. Yeah, it's all blast beats and trim, like all the yeah. way through it, right? And that stuff's pretty cool. Um, but Behemoth is the only, and there's other black metal bands I like, but they're the only black metal band I could ever take seriously. And I'm not even sure stylistically that they're they're really not even death metal. I mean, black metal stylistically anymore. Um, they're yeah, really kind they're, of they kind of stand alone a little bit. Yeah, they they kind of do. They've kind of early on they were more deathy death death metal oriented yeah. in my opinion. And they like thinking about like Slave Shall Serve and stuff shit like that. Like, what about Demon Borgir? Um, I'm okay with some older stuff, but there's a band that wears on me a lot. Really? Yeah, that one really like. Oh, man. The best thing about Demi Borgir was uh, the Demi Burger from <laughs> Metal Eclipse. <laughs> the name of the restaurant. Oh man, I forgot about that. That's, that's that pretty was, awesome. That was the best thing about Demi Borgir. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I, I you know I kind of like all that shit. I can tolerate it if somebody else is listening to it, but I'm not going to seek out many of those like old school black metal bands. I'm not going to seek that shit out. That's fair. Just is what it is. So, Jim, this week, we do anything interesting? Yeah, I hurt my back again. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was a pretty productive week. I did start some occlusion uh, occlusion training, um, mainly just trying to get some extra hypertrophy out of things that uh, I really feel like I can't do heavy right now, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, just because of the way I feel. So a little less wear and material on my body at the same time, still get a lot of productive work done. So started doing that on some arm and leg accessories, and it seems to... Seems to be productive. Get a so. good pump. Yeah, I about killed my legs yesterday. Um, yeah, I can't imagine um, BFR bands on my legs. I bought some specifically, like some BFR bands for my legs, specifically for that. And uh, it, it fucking works. It definitely I does. believe uh, it, because back in the day, like I think that's one of the reasons why my arms got so big as a small guy, was because I would yeah, use BFR. Uh, a guy that's been training with me a couple times a week, and he listens to the show, Grady Malone, he was like, you know, the, I always had small arms. The only way I got my arms to grow was... BFR BFR cuffs and I was like alright well we'll try BFR cuffs because that's a point of weakness for me going yeah. to this bodybuilder show right um, I was like alright well I can they're make cheap. that happen sure yeah. they're cheap you know, it's like you know for a professional set it was like 20 bucks yeah you know what I mean with you know and that has you know a buckle and everything on it mm-hmm. you know that has like the quick release you can just pull it and it releases and that kind of shit oh, that's so, kind of dope um, so I mean 20 bucks Worth Pretty investing in the yeah, try. Yeah, it once a week on legs, once a week on arms. So it's not all my, it's not all my lifting. Right. Um, but uh, and then I'm not doing it on any compound movements. No, I, I think it's probably probably dangerous to do them on it, compound. It probably is, especially given, especially with my legs, given mm-hmm. my um, my recent uh, <coughs> injury history. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I did get some more imaging done of my hip to figure out if I'm going to have to have surgery or not. <coughs> and then you know, just trying to get back to. Um, Trying to get back into things that's a little bit more more fulfilling in the gym for me a little bit. So, um, and we'll get into this later. But you know, definitely changed my plan up a little bit. Uh, starting something new tomorrow, um, a new old thing. Um, but uh, just so I can feel strong again. So yeah, that's fair. And I'm starting to light enough that the calorie deficit won't matter because I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely just destroy that weight regardless of how I feel. Yeah. So. And I definitely know how that feels because when I was doing that water cut and that that cut down to 200, man, all I wanted to do was be strong. 
Like I knew I was getting leaner. I knew my, my, I was getting weaker and I knew that was going to happen, but it was like, man, I just can't stand this. Like mentally it's, that was the hardest part is mentally accepting that you're going to get weaker when you lose weight. Yeah. I mean, I, just, I bet there's been a hundred pound swing in my bench press. You know, I was, yeah. I really believe I probably could have pressed four Oh five coming off this last thing. And I bet I would, it would be a struggle right now for me to hit three plates. Mm-hmm. Um, squat. That's all determined on, you know, depending on the fact that I'm injured right now. We yeah. don't know. Haven't been deadlifting, so I don't know. I will say my strict press, my overhead press has continued to, um, to progress. That might be more of the fact that I didn't do any overhead pressing in prep. Right. Uh, and it's the newest thing, so it's moving up the most right now. And then uh, incline, which I'm normally pretty strong at. I normally, you know, can rep 275. Um, I can hit that for like a double maybe the yeah. most right now. So, um Definitely have taken a hit. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And some of that's coming off drugs and yeah, everything else too, the weight loss. There's a lot of things that go into that. But Yeah. It's, I think it's the worst when it all happens at once though because it literally everything is like – not it's not going wrong. It's technically going according to plan, right? But it feels like it's going wrong, but it feels like it's going wrong because it's just like, man, this should not be heavy. This shouldn't feel this way, but it does. And it's like, man, something's wrong. It's kind of a kick in the nuts. Yeah, it really is. And I am struggling with with changing gears a little bit. Yeah, so. that's the reason I'm going back to a strength program. Yeah. So, I mean, you got time, so you can afford to. Yeah. And absolutely. honestly, you can still lose weight on a strength plan. Oh like, yeah, there's, absolutely. There's that, no reason. And this one, like I said, this one's so conservative that it will be months before I feel um, challenged by it. Challenged by it, even in a calorie deficit. Yeah. And I can probably, I bet I can go 12 weeks right now before. I, so we're getting into that's what we're talking about today we're changing plans so all i've done is um, a very 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 beginner program um and strong lifts five by five has two workouts in it um workout one you squat bench bent over row workout two you squat overhead press deadlift and it just simply is three days a week and it just simply alternates those workouts so the first week it's aba second week's bab and then it alternates that for as long as you want to continue it um, so that's what I'm doing for my compounds. And then I'm just sticking to, uh, uh I actually did end up going with a Tom Platt's rep, rep scheme on all my bodybuilding stuff. So I'm doing, uh, uh, five sets of 12 to 20 reps on, on all my accessory work that I have limited to with the exception of one upper body day. I think I've limited it to about four movements. Mm. Um, one of my goals with this program was to make sure it's effective, but also, um, to trim a lot of fat out of my workout. Yeah. Um, I want it to be quick and I want it to be effective too. So we have more reps, more sets, uh, and less exercises. Yeah. So, uh, and then the good thing is because I'm not going to do just three days a week, it's a five day a week program, but I have two like purely, um, like accessory work, accessory work days and both of them are on my lower body. So, um, so that's, uh, that's a good thing probably. So, and just, just to clarify, the topic we're basically talking about changing our plans and why we are changing our plans and kind of like uh when is a good time what you should do stuff like that that's that's basically what we're going to be talking about today yeah and you know a good point about this is it's not enough to just be burned out yeah that's not a good enough reason to change your plan like that's kind of bullshit that's fucking that's bush league like for real that's like (laughs) big you know that's 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 some beginner shit you shouldn't just change because you're tired of what you're doing like especially if it's still working mm-hmm. um but for me personally doing what i was doing you know the goal was to leave with a pump every day but there was no 
outside of weight loss, there was no long-term goal strength-wise. Um, so it was really, really important to me to go back to something that had a long-term goal strength-wise. And it's very, very simple for me, and that's just not to be super strong again, not to even be competitive again, but just to be strong again. Um, so I chose strong lifts when it's, it starts out terribly light. Um, even if I would have used my real one rep maxes in it, my starting squat weight would have been 225 for a five by five. I did, uh, I put myself in as an inter intermediate and I think it's got me starting 170 for a five by five on my squats. So uh, like 145 on bench press and like 110 on bent over rows. So I mean, it's extremely light. Yeah. Um, that's way less than, way less than 50% of my max. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's probably, you know, 35, 40%, you know, maximum. So <clears throat> not a real big fucking deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially so, not for five reps. Not for five reps. No. Oh. Um, that's, that's, those are weights I can go in and do injured I can go in and do with the flu. I can go in regardless of my situation. I can handle that. And then what strong lifts does it just pretty much just adds five pounds. Every time you work out, um, you're going to progress and the app's smart. So you're going to progress. And when you get to where, um, it feels like you need to deload, it'll deload you and then jump you right back in it the next week. So, um, is that free? that's what I'm doing. The app is free. Um, you can pay for the app and it has basically an entire workout built for you kind well, of Well, right? they have one built for you, but it also, you have, you can build your own workouts in it as well. Okay. So, but I just use the, the free one, which is just mm -hmm. the three compound movements every day. And that's it. So, um, on deadlift, it's a single set of five. And I think my starting weight's like my 600 pound puller, my starting weight's like two thirty. Yeah. Baby. Weight. So even coming off of, even coming off of injury, like, listen, if you could told me to power clean a set of five at two thirty, like, mm-hmm. Probably. But, no, I probably could do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it's very, very, very conservative. But the point is, though, it's got an end game. It's got a plan. And it's like, that's and that's what I needed. I needed something to fixate my mind on. And, you know, if I do it for several weeks. And if I get end up where I can, you know, press 250 for a 5 by 5 again and squat 315 for a 5 by 5 again comfortably and injury-free, I would be happier about it than what I'm at right now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, um I'm not doing well. The bench press I probably have right now, to be fair, but probably don't have the squat because of injury at the moment. Yeah, so, um, it's kind of hard to think about weights like that when you're injured because you just don't really know what's possible until you do it. Shit, I got hurt by a weight that I'd done a thousand times. Yep. So, uh, this is what it is. Yeah. No. So, what made you decide to? To make the changes, just the goal, just want. Yeah, just having an in game. Yeah, just just having a goal in mind. Uh, in my heart, I still want to be a powerlifter. Um, if I end up having this surgery, this hip surgery this year, then maybe we can assess, uh, you know, assess my future in powerlifting after mm -hmm. the fact. But I mean, we've seen people come back, like JP Carroll, come back for double labrum surgeries and right. still squats over six hundred pounds. Bench press is what he squats, but still squats over six hundred pounds. Right. Like, I mean. It's not going to be the end for me, even if I do have the surgery, but um, it definitely is a big fucking step back. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not J.P. Carroll. I'm not that fucking strong. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, I don't know what it holds, but, you know, it might just be bench and deadlift from now on. I don't know, but, uh, but I know I don't want to quit. So we're just going to get back on the train and do what we can to make it as good as we can. So. And uh, we were talking about it earlier. I'm also changing my program, uh, mostly due to it's it's not an injury yet, but my lower back 
is taking a beating on almost everything that I do now. Um, so every time I squat, I end with just horrible low back pain. Um, deadlifts, not quite as bad, but there's still some irritation, some... I, I don't know. It might just be soreness at that point from the deadlifts. I don't. I don't necessarily feel them until I'm done deadlifting. It's just similar with with squat, but squat I can feel it compounding. Yeah. Um, even just doing some bent over rows with like I think it was two plates, um, I could feel my lower back just getting really tight. So um, also hips are super tight i've noticed that i've tried some stretches tried doing a lot of different stuff and it, they just seem to stay tight so my goal right now is to stay on the progression plan that i'm on as far as my squat bench and deadlift but i'm going to change literally maybe not all maybe not literally all of my accessory work but i'm going to change things to be more centered around my lower back my hips and my glutes to try and if i can't fix the problem Maybe I can strengthen my lower chain enough to handle the problem. Yeah, what I was going to say too, and it's been on my mind because I've had two minor lower back injuries, but still two lower, lower back injuries in, you know, three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the biggest things missing that we had access to at any time that we don't have access to anymore is the reverse hopper. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's different different things to do it. And I, I have put those things in my programming, so uh, it is what it is. But uh Things that strengthen your spinal erectors and your QLs uh, specifically. Um, I feel like that's what's missing for mine. I feel like my back was stronger when I was doing direct lower back work. Mm -hmm. um, that's one reason I'm going back. I haven't deadlifted since the meet. That's one reason I'm going back to deadlifting. Um, people are going to think I'm crazy. You've hurt your back twice. Why are you going to go back to deadlifting? <laughs> well, I hurt my back twice and I haven't been deadlifting. Yeah. So neither one of them came on a squat. First one was very, very minor on an RDL. And, uh, you know, the second time, I honestly think it's just a, I honestly think what did it this time, I think it's in a, a, a low lat, like where it connects like near my spine. And, uh, you know, I honestly think it was the hammer strength row because while you're a lot stronger in your back than I am, we just have God awful strong backs. And, you know, it's pretty easy to single hand row three or four plates on that machine. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that I got pulled out of position a little bit and, that makes sense. You were doing single-handed. Uh, well, I was doing both hands at the same time, but you know, oh, the okay. machine—the machine's unilateral. Yeah, like, yeah. They're independent of one another. So, um, so I just felt a little bit of a—not even like, not even really a slip, but just a little bit of a pull mm -hmm. and a lat at the bottom of one. Like as I was going to set it back down, I feel like I almost got a little bit of a turn mm. and I just got out of position. So, I'm just gonna have to watch stuff like that, I guess. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I typically do it with both hands to try and eliminate any sort, like, so I can get a full stretch at the bottom, but not necessarily, like, turn either one which way. Um, I have noted, I've heard some people saying that they feel like they get a better, you know, pump, better stretch out of it, doing that little turn at the bottom and at the top. Um, yeah. And I guess it's a natural it's a, motion. It's a fuller like, range of motion, too, technically. And I guess... I don't know. It just depends on what we hear about RP all the time, allowing your back to round at the top of a row in motion yeah. and pull it tight. Um, yeah, I think my problem is though, I get excited. And it's always happens at the end of a. It happens at the end of a lift. I get excited and go to like lean up and drop them, and then just I happen to turn and drop my right hand first. If that makes mm, sense. I got you. Um, so I think that's probably it's not during the movement itself. It's how I'm exiting 
a right. bit. Uh, but here's the thing, too. I, I know for a fact I get just as good of a pump with one plate and going like, to a tempo. Mm-hmm. So it just may be that when I do that machine, I'm just going to have to do lighter weight. weight and, yeah. Typically, I only I only do a handful of plates, like two to three plates, maybe maybe three and a twenty five. I've been working up to three for about a set of about a set of eight to ten, depending mm-hmm. on how I feel that day. That's so. typically about what I work yeah. with. Um, I just try and make sure I get a good stretch, and you know, the big the big key for me, and it's probably just listening to Doctor Mike like all the time, is just that that eccentric just letting it slowly yeah. like get i get a lot bottom. of benefit from a pause at the at the top of yeah. the lat movement too especially a horizontal any type of horizontal pull yeah. don't really do that on bent over rows but i definitely like that on uh on uh, like machines machines and stuff. and stuff like that i've done it on a barbell if it's light enough like if i'm working with just a plate like i'll row it to the top and i'll pause it for a second and then i'll ease it back down I do it on assisted pull-ups a lot. Nepal's at the top of an assisted pull-up. I couldn't um, say whether I like it more or less, but, I mean, there is a different stimulus. Like, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm pretty religious about doing lightweight on bent-over rows. One, I am kind of bad at them, but two, I really feel like I get a better pump if they're really strict and don't have any hip movement in them. Yeah. So I kind of probably torture myself a little bit more than I should on a bent-over row. Yeah. A lot of these, like, top-level powerlifters, when they do bent-over rows, I'm not going to lie to you, they're ugly it. as fuck. Yeah. yeah they just sling it. Um, and I understand handling heavier weight helps. I just think that I get a better pump when I slow the movement down. Yeah. And most of the time on a bent over row in the gym, like most of the time I like pyramid down on those, like 12 to two, like go down my two every rep, uh, two, two reps every set. And then after I've done my two, I take a little weight off of it and do an AMRAP at like 185. Yeah. So I'm working up for my, so my top set of two, I'm working up to like 205 to 225, depending mm-hmm. on how I feel. Um, but again, they're really strict. And then I'm dropping down to 185 for like an AMRAP, depending on what I feel like today, of like eight to 15 reps. Yeah, it's like I was, I I watch a lot of RP. Like I'm like fully invested. And uh, one of the things that they posted was like, I think it was, I can't remember what weight class he was in, but it was some pro bodybuilder. He was fairly big. 135 was all he was rowing all day long. Big dude rowing a plate. Yeah. Got a good pump, like got to a point of exhaustion. It's, you can that that's the thing about bodybuilding that extremely different from powerlifting is that you don't have to move a lot of weight to get big no you don't necessarily um i do think um we we, we both listen you listen to john jewett too don't yeah, you he's yeah, typically, like typically an anabolic coach you know you sent me a video talking about how when people are cutting and they come off they'll abandon he was basically talking about how it's a mistake to abandon abandon strength goals mm-hmm. during a cut or when you're off the off gear. Yeah, he's like you should continue to pursue strength goals because that's what helps you grow. Yeah, like, he's probably got the best the best in my mind. He's got one of the better opinions about bodybuilding than most people do. To be honest, well, with I mean, me. he's obviously a really strong person, but you know, at the same time, too, like. You know, it's fun. It's fun to do a bodybuilding program and not necessarily have to start your chest day with bench press. Mm-hmm. You know, do some pre-exhaustion stuff and stuff like that. So you don't really know. Big dudes rowing one one thirty-five. You don't know what else he did for his back that day. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like it might be toward the tail end of a workout. Um, so I mean, like you don't have to have a whole lot of weight to grow, but at the same time, like I do think you probably need to pursue. You know, if you're starting out on. You know, dumbbell row, if that's your first movement of the day, last week you rode 55s and this week you probably need to try to row 60s, try yeah. to match it. You know what I mean? Like you probably need to, 
you know, give it well, a little there, bit there, extra. You know? you know, there's that, you know, if you're, you either go up in weight or up in reps, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's all dependent on your plan, like your goal, everything I, I like think, that. I think when you start, plan. I talk to people, I talk to training clients all, this, all the time about why we do either static ab movement that's like made to, um, allow you to resist rotation, which is the, that is the purpose of your core mm-hmm. is to resist being moved, right? When you stiffen your core, it's supposed to keep you stable. That's mm-hmm. the function. The actual function of the core is to stabilize you, right? So we do a lot of like anti-rotational movements, planks, payoff presses, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then any bending movements like sit-ups, I don't want you to go back after class and do three sets of 100 on sit-ups. You can get somebody to where they can do 100 sit-ups, I guarantee you, in six weeks worth of training. Mm-hmm. That's inefficient at this point. Like If you're training more than 20 reps, it's probably inefficient. We can weight that movement. You can do cable crunches. Hell, you can weight your sit-up, whatever you want to do, and all of a sudden we can get the same stimulus from 10 to 12 reps, and you're done in two minutes mm-hmm. or <laughs> right, you can sit or you can do... sit there and do three sets of a hundred and you know fuck off another 15 or 20 minutes <laughs> of your day. like I, I think that there's just a, a point where you know i heard a, a local bodybuilder here who I, I went to high school with he's a very talented dude um he told me one time if you can't get a pump on biceps with a 15 pound dumbbell then you're not doing something right well that's probably the case but i mean at the same time like not all of us have three hours to work out in the gym, and I don't want to do a set of fucking 50 at 15 mm-hmm. when I can go grab 25s and do, you know, three sets of 20. Right. Like, I don't want to fucking do that. It's inefficient. That's my that's yeah. my only my only argument against, like, super high rep stuff or super light weight is, at this point, like, like how, how much, much time, time do you, you really got? To, you really fucking got? Because, yeah. like, I cut out two hours every day for my workout. Like, two hours is a long time to work out. Yeah. Like, if I'm telling you, if I can't put it in two hours, I don't want to fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's not because I don't want to be in the gym. I love the gym. But at some point, like, efficiency has to right. has to matter. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that your dumbbell curls have to be periodized and you have to have a plan to one rep max your, your dumbbell <laughs> curl one day. But I'm just saying, you know, if you did 30s last week for three sets of 15, maybe you should try 35s, match the, match the reps. Mm-hmm. If you can't match the reps, drop drop down to a drop set and clean them up. You know, right. you know what I mean? It is what it is. But I just feel like to some, to some extent it's inefficient. And I also, I don't know, man. Um, one thing that was about Ron, Ron took a lot of volume out of my powerlifting training, and I ended up being, you know, stronger than I've ever been before in my life. A big project of mine personally lately has been taking junk volume out of my program. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I wrote this one to pair with a 5 by 5 is – not including the five by five, I figure it's going to take 15, 20 minutes to do my five by five on my three movements. But like not including that, I want to be done with my whole workout accessories and all, or all my accessory work in about 45 minutes. So that should leave me, I wanted something that would kill me, but I wouldn't be in the gym for more than an hour on. Right. If I got, if I got up, warmed up and did what I was supposed to do, like quickly and efficiently, like I want an hour of really, really hard work. Mm-hmm. Part of that is to keep me from being burned out on it too. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, because the longer you spend in there, the yeah. more time you're in there. Like, it's really easy to get burned out, especially like when you're getting into that real grind part. It's real easy to just feel like I'm not ready. I'm not. When you start you getting know. stronger, you know, it's real easy to spend half an hour to 45 minutes on just your barbell work. Even it's it's easy, easy to spend to an sp- hour. It's easy to spend 20 minutes warming up. Yeah, it is. Like, very very easy. So I didn't want. 
inefficient junk volume in my accessory work. Mm -hmm. Like if there's things, I I picked out things that I knew I wanted to get better at and I decided I was going to focus on them this time. Next time, you know, I have a lot of dumbbell pressing this time. Next time, if I decide I want to be better at a cable fly, we'll put cable flies in there. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to do, my point is I don't, I don't feel like I, I no longer feel the need that I have to do every chest machine in the room on a chest day. Yeah. Like I feel like I can get plenty of work out of bench press, dumbbell bench press, and some type of fly, mm-hmm. let's hit arms and go home. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's right. where I'm at on it. Yeah. So, you know, wow. I'm talking about like five, six total movements, including back and arms on my chest. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for me, typically, I, I've been doing about anywhere between seven and eight movements. That's like, yeah. that's my goal is to like, I don't want to spend a ton of time. I want to hit like, basically two movements per muscle group that I'm trying to hit for the day. Um, sometimes it's three if it interacts with my compound movement, but like typically on like my, my bench press day, I'll do bench press, um, chest press and chest fly. Yeah. Like that's, that's my chest movements for the day. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll have like tricep, bicep and something else, I think. Sure. So that's like, maybe it's just, it's just tricep, bicep because I only do three, four, five, six, seven. So that's. That's my chest day. Yeah. And it's just like, just try and make it more challenging and uh, do a lot of like, anything that I've done lately has been either like myo rep matching or drop sets or just something that's gonna give me extra volume, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. And, and in my five sets, if I'm just totally fucking whooped by my fourth set, I don't mind making that fifth set a drop set. And, yeah. You know, burning it out, doing how many ever I have to do. Um, I feel like I get the best pump when I'm actively moving up every set, though. Yeah. Until I can't anymore. If I have to drop, I have to drop. But, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like, you know, leg extensions, I did them pretty light the other day. I did them 70 pounds across the board because I had the the BFR cuffs on. Mm -hmm. Um, But ideally, like, if I don't have those things on, I'm probably going to start out at 100 or so for 15 or 20. I'm going to move it up. Ours goes in stacks of 15, so I might load it up to 115 or 130 and do 15 to 20, mm-hmm. 145. I like. I feel like I get the best pump when I'm finishing on a heavier weight, but I mean, a lot of that depends on the movement in the day too, you know yeah. what I mean? So I've noticed at least for my back, when I do pull downs, I've been doing drop sets. So I'll do like one set of eight and then drop it down, do another set of eight and then rest and like that has absolutely destroyed my last spot like i'll be dropping the weight as i go most of the time yeah it, does, it feels good i'll admit it feels good on my lats to uh to hit it really heavy first right mm-hmm. out the gate and then and then take weight off yeah um another thing though like i said on, on lat stuff i really like a tempo and i really like a really controlled movement i feel like that hits my lats better than anything else i've ever done is taking being mindful of tempo mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. So anytime, but anytime you know you're taking more time to do the lift, that means there's going to be weight sacrificed. Yeah. On the stack. I mean, the first set I'm generally still good for a heavy weight, but mm-hmm. still, like, um, just is what it is. I mean, there's a lot of ways to skin that cat, to be honest. Yeah. I, I personally, I like to be explosive and the uh, concentric form. That's fun. Yeah. I actually talked to somebody. I was coaching somebody through that the other day. I, I do like a. Uh, I do want you to kind of go on a tear when you're pulling that weight. I want you to pull it. Yeah. Uh, I do want that slow concentric mm-hmm. a lot. We're talking about that in bent over rows. 
Uh, I don't want any hip motion, but I want an explosive to your belly button, yeah. ease it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, I mean, we're not bodybuilders; we're power athletes. So mm-hmm. that translates better to our sport. It does translate better. Some explosion translates better to our sport. If it was just about growth for us, yeah, I mean, we'd use twenty pounds and go slow all the time. But that's not not the case necessarily yeah. for us. So. But, so that's what it is. You know, that that just goes back to the whole, you know, depend your program depends on your goals, depends on like yeah, for sure. And I think we've said this a million times, you know, there's a million ways to get to the mountaintop. You just yeah. have to figure out what I'm, I'm just happy to be in a season one because I've been injury prone lately, and then two, because my goals are a little bit different that I don't necessarily have to have everything heavy all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the reason I reached out to the, you know, occlusion training and started doing the BFR cuffs, stuff like that. Um you know, try to keep me healthy and also still get the same, roughly the same amount of work or same amount of hypertrophic volume out mm-hmm. of value out of it as I would um, with heavier weight. So, um, still weird having to frame your mind of we're not we're not training to be strong. Yeah, it's a weird weird shift to make that I've yet to be able to make. So I, I was not able to make it personally, but I also like the entire time I was training, like I tried to have that mindset. And I, I succeeded in the first few weeks until it got really bad. Like the more weight I lost, the harder it was to keep it together mentally. Because yeah. I was just like, man, I just I don't feel good. I just no. I, that was my biggest thing. It wasn't really that I I felt weak. It was that I didn't feel good. Yeah. And you know, there's you know, it could have been coming off of TRT, like trying to be completely clean while I was doing this cut, and it was like, man. This sucks. So it does, man. Um, man, it's a, uh, it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard to make that transition. But I think now, that's the reason I went back to Stronglist Five by Five, and it is a remedial program. It is a program for beginners. Even if you put in, their advanced is they do it based off your squat. Their advanced weight is four fifty plus. Mm. Well, we know as powerlifters, there's nothing advanced about that. About yeah. a man squatting four hundred fifty pounds, that's intermediate. Lower probably intermediate levels. Depending on your weight class, but yeah, I mean, but even, yeah, I mean, I'm a 308, so yeah, yeah I mean, it's that's a pretty, pretty light weight. So, you know, it is pretty remedial. But you know, just getting to the point that I can train for and have a goal in mind mm-hmm. that's not just looking good has been. I think it's going to help my psyche in a way. And you know, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of people talk about that. Just even even in like bodybuilding, like having a goal set right like and it may just it may just be looking good but it may be well i want my biceps to look like this you know so you have that goal of i need to get to this point how do i get to this point i think i think for any athlete in any sport goal setting is probably like the most important thing you can do to mentally get there pretty yeah, much absolutely. like you have to have that right mindset of like i have a goal and i know the steps i need to get there and if you don't know the steps but you have the goal you have to find what the steps are so yeah. and I, th- I think that's valuable in itself is just like looking for information because you learn so much and it sticks with you better than like let's say someone comes to you and says it's I, and i hate and i don't mean this in a negative way but you know austin blair was on and i think he said it when when he was on and he said i don't want to know how to get there i just want someone to show me how to get there to tell me how to get yeah. there, tell me what to do to get there he's very athletically minded though he wants to just be the athlete yeah but i just think there is some amount of volume in or some amount of value in learning 
like of your own accord, like going out and searching, seeking information. I just think there's something valuable about that because I feel like it sticks with you better and it makes you more aware of it. Yeah. So when you actually go to like, let's say you a queue on deadlift, it's it's there. Yeah. You know, if, if you if you have a coach with you screaming in your ear, obviously it's there. And if he's with you every week screaming at you, your cue, you're going to remember it. I don't know. I, I just like that value of, of finding it for yourself. Yeah, there is a lot of value in that. Um, I'll tell you this, though. The value of having a coach to point out some of those things. Sometimes the answers are so simple, and because we're really stubborn as men and as strong men especially. Uh, don't want to admit that that's the problem. That's, yeah, or, or, or we just can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. A lot, of the, a lot of answers to a lot of my problems have been very, very simple ones that I tried everything but that. Yeah. Because, you know, just like one, because you know, for me, I, I've made up my mind that I'm, I'm too smart for that to have been the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like there has to be a more intricate problem. A lot of times it's not, man. It is what it is. I feel like that's how but it's I mean, been for my hips. Some people are coaches and some people are players and some people are lucky enough to be both. Um Austin's an intelligent person, so I'm not saying it's just exclusive to intelligent people. Mm-hmm. But me and you are, it's very, very important for me and you to, for ourselves to understand the why of mm-hmm. things. And not everybody cares about that. And that's okay. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't I'll make fault you, them. It doesn't and, even make you less of an athlete. It doesn't. No, absolutely not. But um, I, the, the why is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it, it may just be a self fulfillment thing, too, right? Nobody likes being hurt, and I definitely don't like being hurt, so don't take this the wrong way. But there is a little bit of like dorky value that comes from me being hurt and that I want to know how and why I can fix it. Every time I get hurt, I learn something new that I can pass down to you or to another client. Um, That's a great value of people listening now. Um, That can be a great value to somebody. And uh, albeit I had to learn it the hard way, um, but these are typically mistakes I never make again after the fact. So, I mean... I do think there's a lot of value in understanding the why, and uh, the only thing that's, it's even as, it's almost as bad as music in a way. Um, you know, you go to music school and you learn music theory and all these like presumed ideologies and stuff like that, and then you get to advanced level stuff like uh, like a jazz master class. I had several. Where they're like, okay, you remember everything you knew from music theory, you know, your first four years of music theory. Well, now we're playing jazz and none of that shit matters no more. <laughs> You've had these rules pounded in your head forever that, are, that were never rules to begin with. I almost feel like fitness is like that to a, lot, to a large extent, man, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, you know that- we, we talk about it like what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for the for the second yep. i find you know we're big rp fans we believe in a really full range of motion on everything but i know for a fact you know i've seen people in the gym that grow from uh when they fail a set they they do partials partial reps just to, to pass failure mm-hmm. just so they can get extra hypertrophic value out of it and it fucking works for people yeah but i mean rp is very science-based they say well you should never do a partial you should always do a full range of motion well, fucking partials work for that guy. Like, yeah. Why would they work for me? It's just a very individual. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very individual thing. That doesn't mean RP's wrong. I know that scientifically, fundamentally, that they're correct. Mm-hmm. But like, but on an individual, they're not basis. taking. They don't necessarily studies and stuff. Don't necessarily take on a nuanced explanation of okay, this guy did ten full range of motion squats. They're not taking into account that he's already done those and now he's going to do partials. Mm-hmm. 
They're only taking into account it. They only take into account most time of partials versus full. You yeah. Know what I'm saying full reps better. Mm-hmm. But if you can continue to work past failure because you can do a partial, it's obviously some hypertrophic value. In yeah. It, you know what I mean? Like, and it may everything be, has to be taken with a grain of salt. And it may be that the partial is only going to gain value on you know that portion of the movement. Yeah. But I mean, I'll be honest with you. The, the people people that have used partials basically do them use partials the same way you use my reps. Mm-hmm. Probably not doing it on a compound. Probably not doing it on a squat or bench press. But, like, you know, basically the same way. You know yeah. what I mean? So, it is what it is. They just may not be resting quite as long. Mile reps are resting, what, 20 to 30 seconds? Uh, until much the just, pump goes away, pretty much. Like, or not the pump, but until the, the soreness goes away. Yeah. Or, or, you know, that that, that stinging feeling. Yeah. feeling. You, know, you know what I mean. Yeah, like so, you may be talking about 15 seconds. But, yeah. you know, with the partials, we're talking about immediately just partial range of motion yeah. so it is what it is but I mean there's like I said the more, I, the more I'm in it the more I feel like there's uh, it just depends on the person man every yeah. bit of it does you know some things work some things some things don't but those some things that don't might work for somebody else and yeah this is what it is and as a coach it's uh, especially being I value my education in it and how much I learn and how much I try to learn and how much continuing ed and everything I do only to be continuously surprised by how much more correct the practical side of things is than the clinical side of things. Right. Well, I mean, you really, really, you know, from an education standpoint, you really want it to be a clinical answer. Right. You want it to be the full range of motion is better. Mm-hmm. And it is until you can no longer do the full range of motion. Right. And then doing something is better than doing nothing. So, like, but, you know, you always you want it to be the clinical answer, and and, and honestly, from a practical st- standpoint, rarely ever is. <laughs> that's the truth. So that's fair. I mean, uh, just is what it is, man. That's oh well, it so it's a very very individual thing. So, talking about like why we change our programs, what like what reasonings would you give for somebody to change their program? Like, what what's what's a good reason like an example of like a, I, a lack of success on the personal on, yeah. on, on the current program and they say that the best program is the program you stick to mm-hmm. so you can't count that to like daily success you need to you need to be constantly logging your workouts like i use set graph it's an app that i use to log my workouts i can look back in it and it charts everything out for me and i can tell if my projected one rep max is going up or not mm-hmm. my projected one rep max is not going up that means i'm not progressing period. But I want to see that, you know, I have the ability to look at it from a two week, from a one week perspective, a two week perspective, the six week, the one month, you probably are a one month and a six week, whatever it may be. And then like a three month, like if you look back and, you know, probably the three months is what you should be using. If you have not made progress in three months, probably a good time to, to shut it down and move to mm-hmm. something else. Um, that's as if you're a power lifter, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not seeing actual progress toward your one rep max goals. And let me tell you something too, me and you know this, and a lot of beginner people listening might, may not. A lot of the times when you're in a hypertrophy block, what you're doing does not necessarily reflect your, your actual one rep max. Yeah. There's been plenty of times where me and you have had a set of eight on something and it'd be absolutely the most amount of weight we could do. And it projects us out at 50 pounds less than our current one rep mm-hmm. max. 
So you have to keep in, in perspective. When I we'll talk about strength goals, it's not necessarily related to your one rep max. Is is your eight eight rep max better than it was six weeks ago? Yeah. Like if you can look on it and, per, and see, look on an app like SetGraph, like I use, and and see visibly that okay, I'm doing the same amount of reps, but I'm 20 pounds ahead of where I was six to eight weeks ago. That's probably a good determination that you're going the right direction. Mm. If you look at it and it has not progressed, or if it's gone down, probably a good time to change. Yeah. Fatigue is part of that, like physically not wanting to do it anymore. Uh, it's not the best excuse to do it, um, to change. That's something that absolutely has to be justified by data. You have to be mm -hmm. able to justify it and, like I said, go back and see that you've not made progress. But most of us, um, some fatigue can be real, especially when you spend, like I spent the last half of last year training for a powerlifting meet, the first couple months of this one. Um, it sucks to be under that heavy weight for six months. It does. You were ready for something different. Um, as goal-oriented as we are, stuff like that, it's good to take a break. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just good to take a break. That being said, though, um, you know, the biggest answer is I'm not progressing anymore. That's yeah. your, that should be the, really the only reason you ever change a program. Um, well, I mean, like, other than, like, blocks, right? Cause yeah, I mean, block to block, it should be changing. But even these, like, remedial apps and stuff that I use, they're going to change block to block. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, if you use something like Hatch Squad is something I've used in the past that I really like a lot. It's a little aggressive once you start getting strong. As a beginner, it's a really good program. Mm -hmm. um, strong with us 5 by 5 You can use, like, Mad Cow or something like that. Um, Windler 531, although I would argue that's probably the worst one. Uh, starting Strength. All those things like very, very remedial programs, but I mean, they still, you know, change block to block mm -hmm. and everything like that. Um, I would, I would look at my program as a whole and try to determine it. So most of the time, I don't know about you, but I typically, a whole, a whole powerlifting block, a whole powerlifting season, I generally schedule in 13 weeks. Mm -hmm. So the rest of the year we've done off season stuff, hypertrophy work maybe more toward that powerlifting block we've gotten more sports specific and that we're doing less incline and front squats and demo deadlifts and like mm -hmm. variations um maybe we've geared a little bit more toward the competition list but i typically do a 13-week block um <clears throat> i mean if you don't progress in 13 weeks then yeah you definitely need to yeah. definitely need to fucking change something mm -hmm. but you shouldn't just you shouldn't just jump ship because yeah. your attitude's bad and you don't like what you're fucking doing mm -hmm. or anything like that um that's that's first of all it's a weak thing to do second of all um we are stuck in society that wants everything here and now and you have to realize that strength is not a here and now game definitely not. all the drugs all the food in the world are not going to make you strong tomorrow yep um this is the you, this is the marathon you really really have to do if you want to be strong you really have to do to, to today what other people are unwilling to do mm -hmm. and you have to do it day in and day out yeah. Until you meet that goal. And honestly, a lot of the times it comes down to doing things you don't want to do day in and day out. Yeah. Um, so changing your programs, changing your program is not going to fucking help that. You're going to find something in that new program you fucking hate to. Yeah. More than likely. Period. Yeah. Now you can tailor it to your skill set as much as you want to. You can pander to yourself and make you make yourself feel like, oh, these are the things I'm good at. And I'm going to do that kind of stuff. And that's fine. You're going to run into something you fucking hate inevitably mm -hmm. anyway. There's going to be some, if you're, if you're actually working hard and giving it a hundred percent, it doesn't matter how much you tailor it to yourself. It's still going to fucking suck. And you're still going to want to quit. And even if you do tailor it to yourself and to your, your strengths, if you don't work on your weaknesses, 
you're probably going to break. You are. Like, we we, we, we oh. talked about that a million times. Yeah, like absolutely. if you don't address your weaknesses and I, that's, that's one of the points I was going to get to is that, you know, if you're, this is, this is why I'm changing my programs because I found a weakness. I found, right? I found potentially a glaring one. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, there's obviously something super wrong with my lower back strength or, you know, my hips being too tight or whatever. So I'm addressing that now before I get into my, my, powerlifting block, which I think I'm doing 12 weeks instead of 13, but, yeah. um, I'm, I think I have it planned three months out, but, um, I typically do. That's basically what I do. Mom, but the 13th week is basically your, uh, the week, meek, the meek week, week or, or yeah. retest week, whichever yeah. one you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it might end up being something similar to that, but either way, um, but, but that's why I'm changing my program is to yeah. address a weakness, to fix a problem that could potentially be really bad if I don't address it. So I think that's, that's a, that's a big one for me. Obviously, like you said, you know, um, if you're not progressing, you obviously want to change something. You want to make sure that you're progressing. So if you're doing the same old thing over and over and over again, nothing changes, that's the definition of insanity, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I think the biggest pro the biggest drivers with that is um, typically what I see people want to change all the time because they're not seeing progress is a lack of volume, not a lack of exercise selection. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you don't have to. Like I said at the beginning, you don't have to have 15 exercises a day. A lack of volume typically is a problem when you're not growing. You probably you probably need more. You probably don't need less. Mm -hmm. um, a lack of volume and a bad attitude. Mm -hmm top two things um and then what you're doing away from the weight room eat and sleep yeah contribute heavily and also a bad attitude contributes to those things yeah there's only so the really i mean look at that there's only one legitimate reason to ever change and that's probably you know physically i've not made any any you know i haven't made any changes mm -hmm. i'm not stronger um i'm not sure i've even gotten better i may have even got a little worse um I feel like most of the time that comes from a lack of volume and they're, they're generally in larger answer. So what you're telling me is when I go into the gym, or frequency, one or the other, I shouldn't do 15 exercises for one set or 15 exercises for three. I think that you're much better off doing five exercises for four to six sets. Um, maybe for a few more reps. Yeah. As powerlifters, I realize we don't like squatting sets of 10 and we don't like deadlifting sets of 10 or pressing sets of 10. That's fine. Um, you can make up a lot of conjugates proof. You can make up for a lot of that in your accessory work. If you want to mm -hmm. squat sets of three the rest of your life, that's fine. But you need to be busting ass on your hack on, squat, on your hack your squat, leg, and leg extensions, leg press, shit like that. Um, you can make progress squatting, mm -hmm. you know, three reps or less all the time. That's fine. But your total volume has to be at challenging weight and a challenging number. Mm -hmm. Period. Like I said, I think five or six exercises a day is fine. Yeah. Um, but frequency is another big one. I, I can't believe this, and I'm not going to mention this coach's name. One of my people left that coach to mm -hmm. be with me, and that particular athlete was on a one-time, as a beginner, at the time she was a beginner, was on a one-time-a-week frequency for every major lift. Yep. That's that's kind of insane, right? Like, that's fine for like you're on one and a half now, and yeah, you're, and you total seventeen hundred pounds. So we'll we'll, we'll total seventeen hundred pounds. Like, <laughs> you're just now getting to the point that that volume that amount of frequency is enough for you. Yeah. No, when I why a beginner start... would ever only be doing these things once a week? I mean, this is a skill that you're building. First of all, mm -hmm. you're building a skill. 
Um, people fucking up their frequency is one of the biggest reasons to change, maybe even hire a coach or, or uh, to get out of it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, me, personally, I know now that the only thing my body can handle is about a one-time-a-week deadlift frequency. Yeah. One and a half, if you really, because yeah. I have an RDL. Um, squat, I recover really well from two times a week squatting. Mm-hmm. I do not recover very well from more than about one and a half to two frequency on bench press. Yeah. But all those things, I'm doing all those things more than once a week still. Yep. Most of the time, mine's a flat bench and an incline. Yeah. Squats, most of the time, it's real one and a half frequency too. It's generally a back squat and then a front squat or a high bar or an SSB mm-hmm. or a pause back squat. Yeah. So it's not a true competitive frequency either. Um, but like every program I've ever gotten strong on, any of my clients have ever gotten strong on, generally, especially if they're a beginner, came to a two to three time a week frequency. Yep. I, re- I remember first starting and doing two to three bench press a week, two deadlift, two squat. Yeah. Like that's that's what I started with. Yeah. Like when my when the weight was super light, you know, well, I mean, for me now, light. But, you know, at the time it was probably moderately challenging or whatever. But, but yeah, like three sets of 10 on deadlift twice a week you know same thing with squat three to four yeah, I mean, for 10 you know well one of my one of my roots is shako right and it's basically chest arms and legs day one day two is shoulders and back day three is chest arms and legs day four is shoulders and back so you're basically squatting and benching deadlift and overhead mm-hmm. pressing squatting and benching deadlift yep. and overhead pressing and uh it fucking works yeah <laughs> but you're building at that point you know, we're, we know what we're doing now, so we don't have to have skill development as mm-hmm. much necessarily. But when you're in the beginning, if, you, if you're a man and you total sub 1,300 pounds, you probably need a higher frequency. Yeah. Unless you're just a really big boy and just can't handle that much frequency. Um, if you're a beginner, you probably need a two-time-a-week frequency at a minimum. And not, not to hurt any feelings or anything, but if you're a big boy and you can't handle that amount at that time, like as a beginner... You probably just need to lose some weight first. There's like, a good chance that that's a yeah, that's a work capacity issue yeah. at that point. You need you need to just um, like focus on getting getting your work capacity up. Yeah, and keep in mind your accessory movements changing every day. So it's not mm-hmm. like the fact it's not like every day you're going in there you're going to squat and bench press and then you're going to go do a heavy dumbbell press and a heavy leg press. Your accessory work doesn't look the same every day. Uh-uh. Um, but yeah, true two time a week frequency has been the best thing for anybody intermediate and down that I've yeah. ever done. Uh, when you start getting as strong as me and you are, um, it becomes a little bit more intri- intricate. I have to undulate. Um, this is something I learned from, I, I actually have been reading about it before Rump started programming for me. I can really only ha- handle about two heavy deadlift days a month. Yeah. Everything else needs to be between three and 400 pounds and basically just needs me, me practicing the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so I, but I still had a one to one and a half frequency a week. Yeah. You know, it's just that I only had two heavy days. Squat, I'm the opposite. I need to touch heavy weight, and I need to touch heavy weight often. Mm-hmm. Right? It just is what it is. Bench press, same way. Got to touch heavy weight, got to touch heavy weight off, often. Like, just is what it is. Um, but, I mean, every, that's so individual. Juggernaut has a really good idea of how to chart out your MEV and MRV, which mm-hmm. is minimum effective volume and max recoverable volume. And that's something I would consider significantly if I was programming for myself. I'd watch that video. Um, but, I mean... Here we are, if you include my CrossFit background, I'm probably 12 years into training and I'm just now getting to the point where I don't have to have things twice a week. Mm -hmm. I definitely still have to have squats twice a week, but I'm just now getting to the point that I don't have to have deadlift or bench press twice a week. Mm -hmm. 
So you're have a younger training age than me, but you're a more advanced lifter. So you've hit that peak a little bit quicker, mm. but like, you're still at one and a half across the board. Yeah. I'm still I mean, doing <laughs> yeah. like a movement and a, like a, a variation move. Yeah. So what we're explaining is, uh, uh, actual competitive movement counts as a one day frequency. A variation takes a half day of frequency. So, and that's really, if I say mean. a two day a week frequency, that could be two days of pure back squat, or it could be, one day a pure back squat, a front squat, and an overhead squat. Mm -hmm. It could be any squat variation to build that too. Makes yeah. sense. But any variation is only going to count as half. Half frequency. Half frequency. Yeah, absolutely. It could be hack squat like he's doing. I don't count leg press toward my squat either. volume. Um, that's just something I do. Although, depending on the level of athlete, you might should. Um, yeah. Uh, depending on how good you are at them. Um, but uh, So that's what we're talking about. So like... Frequency only counts if it's the real, only counts the whole if it's the real competition movement, mm -hmm. and then any variation outside of that. So, mm -hmm. uh, for a strong man, it might be a Walk strict press. barbell overhead press, and then your variation may be a log push press or a Viking press mm -hmm. or something like that. But, you know, by and large, we're talking about how often we're doing the three major movements. Yeah. So. yeah. Because we are powerlifters. We are powerlifters. At the end of the day, yeah, not. Not bodybuilders, as you can tell. Do not bodybuild here. I'm supposed to be now. I need to <laughs> hover in between 25 and 30 pounds of weight loss, and I have I have hit my first plateau officially. Yeah. So, yeah. What are you so, sitting at right now? Um, anywhere from 269 to about 274, depending on the day. So. Yeah. Yeah. Got a little little bit to go, but you still got six months. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah so. Right. Got plenty of time. About to kick it in overdrive because we got a beach trip coming. But. Yeah, that's true. Like we do another twenty down before the beach trip gets here, so we'll see. But that's pretty so soon, though, isn't it? The twentieth to the twenty third of May, right? It's a month. Yeah, it's a month. Looking forward to it. Twenty twenty pounds in a month. I mean, I lost thirty nearly that much in that much time. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Is, so um, lost thirty in six weeks. So anyway, dad jokes. I think we're on dad jokes. We're on dad jokes. I'm going to have to look them up because I don't know any. <laughs> Let's see. Well, you know, we always we always plug Dad Says Jokes. Follow them. They're great. <laughs> uh, this is an older one, and that's also a pun in itself. Uh, I asked an old man, I know, even after 95 years, you still your, call your wife darling, honey, and love. What's the secret? The old man says, I forgot her name 10 years ago, and I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Getting old sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh, man. Why did the biology teacher break up with the physics teacher? Oh, no. There was no chemistry. Oh, man. <laughs> That's great. Here we go. I'm trying to find one. Not finding any that resonate with your soul today? Not really. Oh, man. I'll give you another one. I saw a man going up a hill with a trolley full of horseshoes, four-leaf clovers, and rabbit feet. Okay. I thought, wow, he's pushing his luck. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I've uh, started investing in... <coughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Smoke you another. I've started investing in stocks beef chicken vegetable mm -hmm. 
one day I hope to become a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Blah. <laughs> Uh, My friend claims to be a compulsive liar. liar. I don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, man. You know what the German word for brawl is? Mm -mm. Stop them from flopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, not everyone thought that Cleopatra was beautiful. You know, you said that one before. 100%. But that's how Julius Caesar. Have I seen that, I said that one before? Yeah. Don't mind the early onset dementia, folks. <laughs> I used to head, headbutt a lot of things as a child. <laughs> you know, the headbanging doesn't help either. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Unless you have a neck like Corpse Grinder. Then you just... I told my wife she was drawing her eyebrows on too high. She looks surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty oh, that's all I got. Oh, man. We'll, we'll end it on that. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if we didn't say it already, uh, like, follow the podcast. Five stars on Spotify, please. Um, Look out for that peck bouncing OnlyFans. Yeah. Soon. We're, we're going to approve it with the ladies sometime today. Tonight, tomorrow, something. It may take a week to convince. We'll find out. <laughs> I guess, like, <laughs> I, it, I don't know, man. Are we going to oil up? Like, are we just going to be like... I probably need to shave my chest before I oil up, I'm to be fair. I'm so hairy, I'm pretty man. fucking fuzzy right now, like, dude. Maybe that's what they want. A lot of hamburger. Maybe that's what they want, man. Maybe they want some some hairy beef. I want to know what songs you would like to see me and, me and Nathan <laughs> peck bounce to. <laughs> Send us a DM or leave us a comment. Let us know. We'll. Uh, Heavy songs are going to be tough. It's hard to uh, do fast. Yeah. I, We're going with a bass drum. Like, man, I, I, I'm so out of practice. Like. We'll work on it. Yeah, I'll have to practice. We'll. we'll I don't know. If we can get some cash up front, maybe we'll start practicing, right? How much is this worth to you? <laughs> Let us know. How much is this worth to you? The heck popping. Is it, is it worth tens of dollars? Tens and tens of dollars. <laughs> tens and tens of dollars. That's twenties of dollars. It could be at least twenties of dollars, according to that logic. <laughs> but it has to be two or more, so... <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, we're done. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>